Among Napoleon's many sayings on the subject of fighting was, in war, as in love, to get the job done, you have to get up close. But tender-hearted he was not. For him, war was all about merciless, focused attack. He had reinvented warfare, using what Dominique de Villepin calls his three weapons, cannon, bayonets, and horses. He would launch a diversionary assault on his opponent's left or right flank, while his artillery would batter what he considered the weakest points of the opposing lines, and skirmishers would snipe at key officers and gunners. Then, depending on the terrain, the cavalry or infantry would charge, the opposing lines would break into a rout, and finally the cavalry would mop up with their sabres and lances, playing dandelion cutters with the fleeing soldiers to ensure that no one would be around to fight the following day. This was the theory, and it often worked in practice, which was why the Russians had been so careful to avoid face-to-face confrontation in 1812. Napoleon's charges were as terrifying as his artillery onslaughts. The heavy cavalry would trot forward slowly, an impenetrable mass of snorting horses and growling Frenchmen. The infantry would begin its advance with linked arms and march straight into musket or cannon fire, each fallen man instantly replaced by another. Then, nearing the lines, they would point their bayonets straight at the enemy's hearts and close in for the kill. The idea was to give the opposing army plenty of time to panic in the face of the wave of doom bearing down on them and run. Napoleon's foot soldiers called these charges a déjeuner à la forquette, a fork lunch, and one of his army's many slogans was the old guard only fights with the bayonet. French historians describe Napoleon's battles with all the glee of Dad's army's Corporal Jones catchphrase, they don't like it up em. It's no coincidence that the most common words in French Napoleonic histories are empereur, gloire, glory, patrie, homeland, and bayonet. Bonapartist historians delight in the butchery inflicted on France's enemies by Napoleon's fearless troops. Before Waterloo, Napoleon was looking forward to an attack along these lines. He told his general, Maximilien Foy, The battle that is about to come will save France and be famous in the annals of history. I will bring my artillery into play, I will send my cavalry into the charge to force the enemy to show themselves, and when I know exactly where the British troops are, I will march straight at them with my old guard. In the end, the only bit he got wrong was the prediction that he would save France, although some French people would of course dispute even that. Napoleon knew that several armies, in total about a million men, were converging on him at once, the Spanish and Portuguese from the southwest, the Austrians and Italians from the southeast, and the Anglo-Dutch, Prussian and Russian coalition from the north. His only hope was to go out and face them. Marching into attack kept the morale of his soldiers high, and he knew that the French people would not back a leader who allowed raping, pillaging troops to return to French soil. No matter that his army of the north was only 128,000 strong, half of them new recruits, and that in the first part of his defence campaign he would be going up against more than 200,000 Allied troops. He ordered his army to march into Belgium, and at 4am on the 12th of June he got into his carriage, ironically called a Berlin in French, after the capital of Prussia, and went to join them. Napoleon dictated a proclamation to be read to his men on the 15th of June, reminding them that it was the anniversary of his victories over the Austrians at Marengo in 1800 and the Russians at Friedland in 1807, which, he said, twice decided the fate of Europe. However, he went on, we were too generous. We believed the promises and vows of the princes that we left on their thrones. Today, allied against us, they are threatening France's most sacred rights and independence. One moment of prosperity has blinded them. If they enter into France... It will be to find a grave there.